If weaning is a topic that's been on your mind, then you're in the right place. Today, we're discussing the ins, the outs, the common problems that come up with Erica Campbell. She's a mother, wife, registered nurse, and international board-certified lactation consultant located in the Houston area. Erica became a lactation consultant after her own personal feeding experience and strive to inspire families along their feeding journeys. If you're new to Feeding Toddlers Made Easy, welcome. I'm Casey Barnes. I'm your host. I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and mom. And here we solve all your toddler feeding and nutrition struggles and try to make it a little less stressful. Erica, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. We'll, of course, link everything for everyone in the show notes. But as we get started, I want you to tell people where they can find you online. Okay, so all of my social media handles are at the Milk Manual. I'm only active on Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok. I don't have a Facebook, but maybe one day. And then I also have a website, and that is also just www.themilkmanual.com. Awesome. So we'll put that in the show notes. Today, we're talking all about weaning, and I'm just thrilled to have you here. Will you tell us a little bit more about your experience as lactation consultant? Yes. So I have been a lactation consultant. I've been certified for about five, almost five years now. And it's been a very different experience actually than I expected it to be five years ago when I became one. There are so many more nuances and a lot more ups and downs to being a lactation consultant than I think we even see or like hear about. But obviously if you have had a baby and fed it in any way, you know that it's the same with feedings. There's so many ups and downs. So yeah, my job, I love it. I think it's so great. I'm learning so much just about like people, society, just lots of things I wasn't expecting to learn. But all in all, I think it's just been so helpful to make me better at my job. I'm so grateful for you and people like you because breastfeeding was not easy for me. I experienced so much pain. I thought, you know, this is supposed to be an intuitive thing and Mm -hmm. it was not at all. And I just will never forget the amazing lactation consultant support that I got because it truly was what enabled me to feed my baby. Yes. I'm I'm so thankful too, to be in this profession and that there's so many like great people who've paved the way. I know there's like, kind of like not a stigma, but like, I don't know the right word. There's this like, and maybe it is stigma towards lactation consultants in general. And some people have terrible experiences with them. So I'm just always excited to be a different ray of light, I guess, in this space, because it it can be so hard. And I think it needs to be handled in specific ways. And I just am happy and thankful that I get to do what I do. Yeah, well, I will say that I had a very different experience from the lactation consultant that came to check in on me right when the baby was born versus the one who came to my house and had a full session with me. And my guess is that part of, you know, as a dietitian, even when I used to be in the hospital, you have so many patients you need to get Mm -hmm. to in a day. You don't have the time to spend that one-on-one time. Right, exactly. And I like will never badmouth hospital lactation consultants. I worked in the hospital. That's where I started off my uh, career as a lactation consultant working in the hospital. And once I switched, so I trained to become a private practice consultant while still working in the hospital. So once I was training, I saw so many things 
that I was like, how could this have been avoided? And then I'd get back to my hospital job and I'm like, oh my gosh, the reason why those people in outpatient have issues, it started here in the hospital. But when you're working in a hospital, and this goes for, I, I, I mean, I can't speak for the entire hospital system, but this is just my belief personally. But whenever you work in a hospital, the goal of patient care is not the long term. It is a very short term basis. So when they think, oh, this mom wants me to help her latch, that's all they're thinking about. They're not thinking how that latch could impact, you know, two months from now or how she might have cracked nipples when she leaves the hospital, but her nipples are fine now. It's like, you know, kind of like sucky because they're doing as much as you do as much as you can in the hospital. But when you leave is when a lot of that stuff impacts you. And while working in that hospital space, you don't get to see that. You don't get to see the negatives. So you feel like, okay, well, I'm doing my job right now. But with feeding, it is a long-term thing. It's never short-term, no matter how long you choose to feed. Even if you were like, oh, I only want to breastfeed for two days, there's still a long-term impact to that that comes with education and like how you help. But in a hospital setting, you aren't able, I feel like, to be that long-term educator that you should be. I mean, I know for a fact, I would have so many patients that like, it puts you at burnout. Like it really does make you so exhausted. And it's just, I don't know, it was, it was really, it was a lot harder for me working in the hospital than it is working outside of the hospital. Yeah, it it is. It can be a difficult environment to do the job that you really want to do. So Mm -hmm. now that you're seeing, now that you're in private practice, you can see babies, I'm sure for longer visits and Mm -hmm. also over the course of a mom's breastfeeding or bottle feeding journey. So today we're specifically talking about those older babies. We're getting ready to wean. So I think a lot of times the advice that we get from the pediatrician is when your baby turns one, you can wean. And whether a mom chooses to do that or not is totally her personal preference. But if a mom is ready to wean, like, what do they do? I remember thinking, like, how do I just go from breastfeeding to not? So Mm -hmm. what would you say to a mom whose baby's turning one, they are ready to wean, or even if they're older, whenever they're making that decision to wean, what do I do? Yeah. At an older age. So with it being an older age, something to look at with weaning already and deciding how you want to go about it, because again, it will be very personalized. It'll kind of be like, what state of feeding are we in at the moment? A lot of times, you know, some people have their one-year-old and they're ready to wean, but the one-year-old is still nursing. They'll kind of be like, well, you know, she nurses three times a day. So with those situations, it's like, well, let's focus on how we can cut back those three times. But you know, once solids and food has been introduced, it really always kind of just depends on how they're eating the solids, like what they're doing with their own food, kind of what they are nursing for. Are they, are they nursing because they want the milk? Are they nursing for comfort? And then once we figure out, I think a lot of those ins and outs, then you can kind of make your own plan. So for instance, if you are trying to completely wean. I always say it is a journey to wean. It's rarely ever cold turkey. And if it is cold turkey, that's okay too. But a lot of times if you're making that conscious decision, like I would like to start weaning at this point, I always say like for your mental health and for the baby's mental health, taking it step by step and just seeing how you can slowly eliminate things or how you can cut things back, especially in this more this toddler stage. I think in the newborn stage, sometimes It can be a little bit easier on the baby mentally, but, you know, 12 months and older, they have kind of established a routine and they've established this 
not dependence, but they've established comfort in nursing a lot at this point. So weaning always is just very person specific, baby specific, whatever baby's temperament is, however mom's or parents' moods are, it just really depends. Okay. So if we're talking about like top tips, obviously what you're saying is it's going to look different for Mm -hmm. each family. There's so many factors that are involved, but say baby is fully established on solids, Mm -hmm. eating well. Now, what would you recommend in terms of weaning? So at that point, I know a lot of, like a lot of times we'll do the don't offer, but don't refuse. But I think that kind of depends on the state that you're in. So like say baby nurses four times a day and that first nursing session, you know, is right after breakfast, you know, they've eaten, you know, they're full. So at that point, don't offer it. But if they ask for it, don't refuse it because you can go ahead and go straight into like playtime or something or whatever type of activities that you do at 12 months, uh, you can go straight into those things and just kind of see if baby even remembers. Cause there's some babies who are used to that routine, but as they get older and you start changing that routine, then they forget. And so that's one way to eliminate a feeding. Also, if they do decide to, they, they, they want to nurse in that case. So you don't offer, but then they come up and ask, then in that moment, this is why weaning so hard. It's a personal decision. If you are dead set on weaning and you're done and you don't want to do it, then establishing that boundary with your baby, which of course, they don't understand boundaries the same way that we do. But in that moment saying like, okay, well, we don't have that right now. Like we're not going to do it. Would you like to do this? Or would you like to have a bottle or, you know, a cup? Would you like to eat more breakfast? Just kind of ways to, what's the right word? Like divert it from being a nursing situation and kind of establishing if you notice like, oh, well, they want a nurse for comfort in this moment. And it's not necessarily about the nutrition, then offering other methods of comfort. Like, would you like to go cuddle? Do you want mama to like rub your hair? That's what I would do with my kids. Sometimes it's just like lay in bed and rub their hair. Or do you want me to rub your back? Like you're just finding ways to fulfill that need, but also fulfill your desire of weaning. So if you don't offer, but they do ask for it, do you Mm -hmm. recommend limiting the amount of time or no? So that's what, that's, what's hard. It depends on the baby. Like, and that's what makes weaning more difficult because it really will depend on what they need it for. If they're doing it just for comfort, then I would say you have to kind of go with your own emotional background. I know for me, I'm very like, I'm very emotional. So like, it's harder for me to say like, well, I'm not going to comfort you. This is the only way I know how to comfort you. But then there's some people who are like, just easily can say no. And if you are the type of person who you're like, you know, I, I'm staying, no, I'm sticking to my guns. We are weaning right now. Then go for it. Like, it's hard for me as a professional to say like, there's the perfect way to do something because there's not, especially with weaning, it is really specific on the person that's in front of you. And babies are so like, just me weaning my, my kids was a completely different experience because of who they are as people. And I had to adjust what I was doing based off of how I thought it would serve them best. What's the word? Like for brain development. Let's talk more about those emotions that can come up because I think sometimes people wonder, is this normal how I feel about this? Or what what should I expect even in terms of how to feel about the process of weaning with my baby? So can you talk more about like what you've seen with clients or just in general, what moms might experience emotionally? There's a huge range of feelings. And I think 
because that spectrum is so big that uh, there's so many things that are going to fall under the umbrella of normal. Some people will feel very, very excited to wean. I was one of those people that was like, yes, I'm so ready to be done with this. I'm so thrilled. Like, so like I said, it was easy for me to cut it off. But at the same time, I was like, well, how can I help them emotionally as well? The baby. Then there's a lot of emotions that come with weaning that are more sentimental. And I know some people will say that they go through a, a depression essentially when they're weaning. And those emotions are also very, very normal weaning, breastfeeding, all of it involves so many hormones. And so those hormonal responses can fall within the range of normal. I personally really struggled with weaning one of my babies because I wasn't ready yet and baby was. And so I felt really upset about this relationship being ended before I felt ready for it to be. And I also felt a lot of failure as a mom in that, that I wasn't doing something right that, you know, cause they always say, oh, babies, I've, I've heard this so much. Like babies don't self wean, especially not until they're older. And my baby right. wasn't quite one yet. And so I was like, well, I'm doing something wrong. And I just remember talking to my husband over and over again, over the course of probably like two weeks about how sad that I felt about this, even though there was a part of me that really wanted my personal space back in that way, you know, to not have to be taking off my shirt all the time. But um, (laughs) I also just, I felt really sad and that was surprising to me. And I think that's a really valid feeling and experience. And when I hear people express that sadness that they have, especially when it's a breakup that you did not foresee happening, I think with weaning, like how you said, you felt like a failure. I always tell people we have to reevaluate the definition of success and failure, especially in this case, because I hear you say you feel like a failure, but when you think about all the stuff that you had done, like, you fed for such a long time, so much so that like your baby experienced this like thriving independence where they felt like my mom's here for me. I know that she's here, but I'm ready to explore on my own. I'm ready to like eat my own foods and do my own thing. And like at the end of the day as parents, to me, that's always such a successful thing to see, like that you provided so much emotional support that your baby was like, I'm content in who I am. I'm confident in myself. I'm confident enough to be like, Hey, I could go, I could go pick apples off a tree if I want. I don't need, (laughs) you know? And I think that's, what's hard is like, there's so many different emotions in motherhood in general, but a lot of the emotions that we have as a parent comes from that definition of success versus failure. And when you sit back and reevaluate what it can mean to you, especially in the the space of feeding, I think, because we are told like, you know, like you said, babies don't do this. Right. But we can't put every baby under this same block to say like, well, all babies are going to want to breastfeed forever. Some babies don't. And hey, like that baby's different, but you provide something for that baby that is going to be something that another parent is, you know, aren't, they aren't providing for their baby or it's just, there's so many differences. And I just, I'm very much so like, this is going to sound really cocky, but I will never think of myself as a bad mom because I know I give it my all every single day. Even what might look like as a failure to some people, I'm like, no, I gave it my all. So <laughs> I really try and motivate other parents to feel the same way, especially moms. I feel like we have so much pressure on us to be perfect and have things look a certain way. And all of those standards are truly just BS. Like you just have to live in your own truth, you know? 
I love that perspective. So we talked about some of the things that can come up for mom emotionally and baby emotionally. What are some other problems you talked also about? It's a big hormonal change. And I'm just curious, like I didn't experience any physical pain or discomfort with weaning, with getting rid of my milk supply, but do some moms experience that? Yes. Especially when it's an abrupt weaning situation, it can have a lot because there's so many hormones that go into milk making. So what's cool to me about the long-term weaning process and the prolonged weaning process that we see when babies are introduced to solids is your milk supply goes through this slow decline. And so many people will panic and like, say like, I don't understand why it's happening, but like your body is, it's like a shift, you know, like eventually they start eating more and they start feeding on you less and your body adjusts to that and your hormones will adjust to that slowly. Now, when it's an abrupt weaning situation, it's just, you know, it's an abrupt and your hormones are affected abruptly. So your emotions are affected abruptly. And that's where a lot of people will like, you know, more depression related symptoms, just very anxious, fatigue, like lots of those type of symptoms. And no one ever really talks about like how that's how they may feel in that moment. It's like so important to focus on like mental health and having resources and people in a community that can help you because it is in that range of, like I said, of normal where you may wean and you may all of a sudden feel isolated or unloved or like, and then those feelings might make you feel again, like a bad mother and that you aren't doing it. And it just becomes this whole like downward spiral. So having support, I think is really important. Having the education there to know like those feelings are normal and you have to find your coping mechanisms for how to deal with those feelings while your body goes through such a big change. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what you're really saying is that even when the pediatrician says at one year old, okay, you can wean that we should expect this to be typically a more prolonged process and that it's not just like, okay, they turned one and it's just over that it, it can be really normal for this to take longer than we might have anticipated. Yep. That's typically. And I think, again, this goes into those societal expectations where we hear a number and we think, boom, everything's perfect at that number. Like everything changes right now. And that's just not the case for any aspect of being a parent. And I'm sure you see it with a lot with like introducing solids. Like it's not like, boom, they're six months and they're eating a burger. Like we have to slowly get to taking step by step, getting to the point where like, orally, they develop a certain way or you check, you know what I mean? Like you check to make sure they can sit up all the way and that they're not still thrusting their tongue. Like so many things also go along with weaning in that same aspect where it's just like, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take some time. And we shouldn't put our pressure on ourselves to think like the doctor said it has to be done at this moment. It could take up to, it could take 12 to 18 months, truthfully. Like, and I think if you give yourself that grace, And you think like, hey, this is going to be a process. It also takes that pressure off of you to kind of rush parenthood and rush your own life. And hopefully it makes people less stressed. Yeah. Now, the answer to this next question might be to have a good therapist. But what (laughs) if a toddler doesn't want to wean and the mom is beyond ready? She's like, I really want this to end, but my baby does not. So in that case... I, and these are, I feel like I'll see a few more of these than I see, you know, the opposite, but if you are ready to wean, like, again, that's where you establish that boundary at that moment. If baby still wants to do it and you absolutely cannot handle it anymore, you don't want to be touched. 
then you have to, in that moment, decide like, okay, we're done. This is like having a plan. Like, this is how we're going to be done. These are the steps that I'm going to take whenever baby does offer, because I'm going to refuse. So what are we going to do instead? Like, how can I meet my baby's emotional, physical, nutritional needs? Because I'm not breastfeeding. I refuse, you know? And in those cases, again, having a plan, having a community, because it does take, I feel like a lot out of a mom to do those things. So having your partner be on board, like, Hey, I know as soon as, you know, we're done eating our breakfast that my baby's going to come up and try and nurse because this is the time we typically do it. Can you please watch her while I go for a walk or while I take a shower or while I remove myself from the situation because I emotionally cannot be here and keep refusing. So there's just going to be lots of different plans and and if you don't have support in those cases, because I know some people are like, well, my spouse is not home at that time, then just kind of setting that boundary, finding your baby something else. I know some people will get their baby like a ball. Like uh, I want to say someone had a stress ball once and let their baby play with it and it looked like a breast. <laughs> so finding things that you can for your baby. And this might take lots of trial and error, but figuring out a way like I'm not breastfeeding you. So let's figure out something else that we can do. Let's figure out another way. And, you know, a lot of babies find so much comfort in sucking. So it's just like finding ways to make that work. Even like as they feed, I don't know, sometimes there's like certain cups and stuff, like certain things that they can do to satisfy that need. But I try and always find more, especially with working with people, once I get to know them and their baby, figuring out the way that I can comfort or we can comfort their baby that is not nursing. Because some babies will completely be like, They'll want it. They'll fight for it. They'll cry for it. But if you can show them like, I still love you. I still care for you. We're going to do this instead. You'll get there. It's again, that's a process. It's for sure. When like the baby, cause they don't understand, you know what I mean? Like they don't understand boundaries. They don't understand that rationale just yet that you don't want to do it. So it's just kind of trying to relay the message to them in a, in a way that they'll understand. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend consistency be a big part of that plan to say, once you decide, if you're in that position of, I really don't want to do this anymore, would you say to try to really stay consistent with that? Yeah, I would say as consistent as you can. Don't beat yourself up if you have any like moments of relapse, but if you can be as consistent as possible, that would be the best thing in the end for both parties. But again, it's giving yourself grace. So if one day you slip up, like don't feel bad, just get right back on it and keep being consistent. What if you have a mom who says, okay, I know that the doctor says at one, it's okay to wean, but are there other signs that would say baby is ready to wean? A lot of times it'll be the baby kind of showing it, which I think is like you said, how they, your baby was kind of over it at a certain Mm -hmm. point and babies will tell you, they'll show you that they aren't ready to, they don't want to do it. You try and nurse them. They pull away. They want to go and play. They want to go and do their own things. And I always say like, you have to watch your child because that is how they're communicating with you through their actions. And if that's the case, if you go to nurse them and they are consistently like, it almost feels like you have to force it, then that's a sign that it's time to slowly start letting go. And I had the same thing happen with my second baby where it was to the point where like, he just would only nurse like in certain situations and I would be like full and I'm like, oh my God, please, 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 please. <laughs> and I noticed that he just wasn't doing it. So I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, well, this is, we're coming to an end, you know? And I think that's the first moment to kind of help you mentally is know like, okay, well, this refusal is starting to happen, especially when they're older. 
because when they're younger, when they're like babies, like infants, sometimes it can be related to a lot of other things. But when they get older, that I think is a good time to like put it in your mind. Like this could be coming to an end. I want to mentally prepare myself for this. Like, and then making sure each, especially if you're holding on to it, making sure each nursing session you do have, you kind of are cognizant of it. You, you take all of those moments in because it, it is a sign that it is coming to an end. Once the baby is like, no mom, I have toys to play with. Like, no, I have things to do. And I think it, like you were saying before, it's kind of heartbreaking, but at the same time, it is kind of beautiful because you are watching them blossom in a different way at this point. Like they are telling you basically like how content they have grown into themselves. And uh, yeah, eventually they just pull away. And, but that's life, you know, like it's sad, but it's, it happens. Something that I've also heard about, and I'm curious for you to explain this a little bit more is just the idea of the nursing strike. And does Mm -hmm. that occur when they're at this older age? Like, could that be a possibility that, oh, they don't actually want to wean, but they're having a nursing strike. Like, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, sometimes that can happen. And it's hard to, children are hard to decipher in general, but it's hard hard sometimes to know, like, is it a nursing strike or is this ending completely? And that's where it's like, if you keep offering multiple times and then randomly on like third day, they're back to nursing completely. Sometimes it can be like illness related, teething related, you know, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Like there's so many little things that it can be sometimes. So when you keep offering and eventually they do accept it, that's how, you know, it's not a nursing strike. But if they, if you keep offering and it's to the point where it's like, no, they absolutely are not nursing anymore. Then yeah, it, it it's more so weaning at that point, but usually a nursing strike is temporary. It's not as long-term as the weaning is. And a lot of times you can trace it to something like I know it happens a lot with teething. Some babies nurse nonstop with teething and some babies are like, I don't want anything in my mouth. And, you know, you can see all the other signs of teething. You can see the irritability. You can just kind of see it in them. So then when you connect those two things, it's like, oh, okay. So maybe this isn't, this isn't weaning. This is just their teething. Is there a danger of losing your supply during a temporary strike like that? Yes. Not completely losing it because again, it'll take more than a couple of days, but there is that risk. Like as time goes on, if they're still not nursing, your supply will slowly start to decrease, especially in these older ages when your supply might already be a little bit lesser. When they have nursing strikes like this, there is more of a risk for it to decrease. I know some people will pump in these cases because they're like, well, I'm still full. I still feel like we have a little bit more time, you know? So pumping as a backup is always great. But if you also feel like, well, I'll be ready to wean anyways, like that's another way to kind of jumpstart that process is like, don't pump. And then when they go to nursing, you don't have as much, then they'll, they'll change their mind eventually. Is there a possibility that as they're in this older age that your body might just naturally lose the supply and they're like forced to wean because of that? Sometimes, but that also is more hormonal. So like sometimes starting certain types of birth control, pregnancy, like things like that, where your supply will kind of decrease, you know, going back to work, you aren't nursing as much, not even so where it's like, you're not nursing as much because they aren't, it's like, if you're busier or, Mm -hmm. you know, just doing a lot more and your supply slowly starts to decrease those type of things can happen. But I will say it can happen a lot with, uh, 
pregnancy for sure. And that's, that's one of the bigger times more see it happen is getting pregnant and your supply sometimes going down or like your body just being so sensitive to, and then the baby will actually not being comfortable. Mm. This was so helpful, Erica. Are there any last pieces of advice or encouragement that you'd like to give for, to moms as they go through this weaning process? Yes. I just want to say, take it one day at a time and always remember that you are giving it your all every single day. So don't ever feel badly about the things you did or didn't do. Just truly trust your gut, follow your intuition and like keep doing what works for you and your baby. I love that. If somebody wanted to work with you, tell us how you work with moms and what that looks like. So right now in the Houston area, I work mostly in the West Houston area, but also central within the loop. The link in my bio on Instagram has ways to get in contact with me. And I work with a practice called Bayou City Breastfeeding. Fortunately, there's 20 other lactation consultants in my practice. So if you aren't able to work with me, there's so many of them that are just as good, if not more than amazing than I am. And then also, I hopefully will start doing more virtual consults as well. And you can also find uh, the link in my bio to access for that. Excellent. Thanks so much, Erica. Yeah, no problem.